0: Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27. What I'm going to share with you tonight is not new whatsoever, but it sure is a burden on my heart. I spoke on this subject, Miss Mindy's dad's funeral, the other day, and I have not got away from it. I, I would be thrilled to death if God would let me preach these verses all over the world, everywhere I could go, that people might be able to hear this message that we're going to get to hear tonight, if the Lord would be pleased. In Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Verse 27 says, and as it is appointed unto men, once to die, and after this, the judgment. We make much of the fact that there is an appointment to die. But a lot of folks have the misconception, the misidea, the misinterpretation today that when you die, that God's just going to... Meet out all your good works on one side and all your bad works on the other side and kind of balance things out and wherever you wind up, that's where you are. That could not be farther from what this Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, one of you told me in the last few months of some precious, ignorant individual that speaking of the judgment of God said, just as long as God gives me a fair trial... How foolish. Because I don't want a fair trial. I want mercy. They don't have a clue what they're talking about when they say they want a fair trial. I know what they mean. They mean if God's going to judge them and lie to the hypocrites down at the church, and if God's going to let them hypocrites down at the church go to heaven, then they want a fair trial comparing themselves among themselves. But Jesus said, you're not wise. Because God's not going to base your salvation on them hypocrites down at the church. God's basing this thing on the only begotten Son of God and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry, but you don't measure up. So do you want a fair trial? Or do you want mercy? I can tell you right quick, I want some mercy. When you see what judgment's about, you're gonna want some mercy. Second Timothy chapter number four, the Word of God said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. At his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The Word of God says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. The word quick means the living and the dead. There's a twofold meaning, but it means those who are saved and those who are lost. Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building tonight are headed to judgment. Right. There is something that God put inside of me that I have a desire and an unction of the Holy Ghost of God to stand up and preach the Word. Why did God put it in me to preach this Word? Because you're headed to judgment. Right. Right. You say, Brother Mike, why do you keep telling us we're headed to judgment? Because you are are headed to judgment. Brother Mike, why do you keep yelling and screaming and slobbering and hollering about going to judgment? Because you're going to judgment. And of all the things in this world, I do not want to get there and be ashamed. Do you understand tonight God is giving you the sweetest opportunity? Before you ever get there to settle out of court, God don't want you to be embarrassed. God don't want to have to dress you down and humiliate you in front of the world. God's given you a chance to get things right right now. And that's what preaching is all about. He said, preach the word. He didn't say, tell them what your mamaw thinks. He didn't tell them some old fable or wives' tale that your grandma used to talk about. He said, preach the word. Preach the infallible, inspired word of God and tell them what the word of God said. And I can tell you on the authority of God's word tonight, this word cuts coming and going and people ain't going to get mad about fairy tales. They're not going to get mad about fables. They're not going to get mad at clowns and puppets they're not going to get mad at good gospel singing but you preach this book and the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost to God and tell people what they'll set the word of God they'll get mad as the devil at you Amen. you're going to face three or four things in judgment number one is going to be the facts You will face the unadulterated, written, recorded truths and facts. You will not be able to embellish it. You won't be able to stand up and give God a snow job and make it look better. You're going to just deal with that. Facts. Malachi 3.16, then, they that feared the Lord spake oft one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. I saw some men that gathered together to pray in the past few days... And before they begin to pray, they begin one to another to brag on Jesus and say, You know, I ain't got no real burdens tonight, but I sure do want to thank God for the trials I've been through. I want to thank God for what He's done. Thank God for mercy. I want to thank God that I see Him everywhere I look, working and dealing in the lives of sinners. The Holy Ghost of God showed up, inhabited the praise of His people, and God wrote it down in a book. right it'll come back on you one day boys ain't that good but Matthew chapter number 12 verse 36 says but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned let me ask you, you want a fair trial or you want mercy? If you're born in the Spirit of God, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or or bad. 1 Corinthians three twelve says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You see, a lot of folks forget if you're born in the Spirit of God, you're still going to judgment. You're not going to the great white throne judgment of God that lost sinners are going to stand before the judgment bar of God. But you will be judged. But it will be a different type of judgment, Brother Wesley. When a man stands before the great white throne judgment of God, they've been in hell in the regions of the damned. They'll be brought forth out of the torments of the abyss, given a physical body and stand before God in judgment in a physical body. And you will be made naked and manifest before the whole world. But God's little children, those that have been born of the Spirit of God, are going to face a judgment. Brother Brandon, you are going to judgment, son. But right. Mark, you're going to judgment, buddy. Brother Wesley, judgment's coming. I'm going to tell you what this book says. Because I do not want you to be ashamed when that day comes. Miss Neat, I don't want you and Miss Pat to be embarrassed when that day gets here. I'm going to scream, holler, and tell you about it over and over. You are going to judgment, saved or lost. But this judgment's a special judgment. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. Up until this point, we've seen the church age. and Revelation 4, 1 is the rapture of the church. In heaven... The children of God are about to go to the judgment seat of Christ. This ungodly world is about to experience seven years of the great tribulation. I hear all kinds of interesting things about heaven, most of it doctrinal misinterpretation. There's not going to be glorified fishing rods. Heaven don't have any glorified carp ponds. You're not going to walk on streets of gold and look for name tags on mansions. If you die before this service is over in the grace of God, born of the Spirit of God, you will immediately find yourself in the presence of the holiness of God. You'll wait and you'll worship. And you'll wait and you'll worship. Because you can't be judged yet, Brother Wesley, because your deeds will follow. I thank God that there are CDs from this church, Miss Pat, that are going all over the world by the tens of thousands. I've heard reports in the last few days of those CDs on prophecy that have wound up in the hands of Jews from Jerusalem. Had a lady in another state called me today and said her husband got a hold of one of those CDs. She said, we drove to Alabama and listened to that CD all the way to Alabama and shared it with friends in Alabama and listened to it all the way back to Tennessee. She said, our Fundamental Independent Baptist Church has Bible study on Friday nights and we're going to play that CD for Bible study on Friday night. Amen. I believe with all of my heart there's going to be some Jews that are going to get a hold of those CDs during the Great Tribulation and God will use the everlasting Word of God and show them who the Messiah is. And our works will follow. (laughs) I believe as a witness of the Holy Ghost of God, God's going to use it. It's the Word of God and it will not return void. I'm telling you, God's working on somebody right now. Boy, I rejoice in that. And immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Jesus is sitting on the judgment seat of Christ about to judge the church. He that sat on it was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. There was a rainbow about the throne and in sight like unto an emerald. Unlike the throne in Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment, this throne has a rainbow. A rainbow is a sign to God's people of an everlasting covenant that we've not come to this throne to be condemned and cast into hell. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. If you don't already know this, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse number 4, this is the church, the born-again children of God. And they said, as the children of God, as children of the kings, and they'll wear crowns. All that's in this building tonight born the Spirit of God or sons and daughters of the King of glory and you'll get to wear a crown. Amen. There'll be several different crowns that are given in judgment and God gives His children special crowns that signifies the special blessings and rewards that they've been given for serving God faithfully. The Word of God said, Now of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we'd see God's warnings that tribulation is about to begin on planet earth. And you see the seven spirits of God that represent the fullness of the Holy Ghost and those seven different divisions in the church age in which the Holy Ghost of God was there to intercede for the children of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass lying in the crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like unto a lion. The second beast like unto a calf. The third beast had a face of a man. and The fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And The four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They'll lead us in worship, Brother Wesley. They won't get to sing the song we get to sing because they wasn't redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We'll sing a new song that even the angels can't sing. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever, And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. They begin to worship as the saints of God begin to worship. They take their crowns from their head. And they cast them at the feet of Jesus. You'll be given crowns as rewards for how you serve God faithfully on this earth. And when that time comes to worship, you'll be able to take your crowns. The only thing you brought to heaven, you didn't bring anything that you did except those works that were not wood, hay, and stubble. The robe that you wear will be the righteousness of Christ. And the only thing that you've gained is those crowns that you've won as rewards. Wouldn't it be embarrassing to bow before the Son of God to worship Brother Brandon, there's no rewards that you've won. Like going to a party to honor a great guest. But Brother Jason, you didn't bring any gift. I don't want you to be ashamed when you get there, Miss Nita. I want you to be able to have some crowns, Miss Allie, that you can lay at the feet of Jesus, that you served Him faithfully in this world. That you prayed faithfully in this world, that you wept bitter tears over sinners in this world, and you've got some crowns of faithfulness that you can lay at your Savior's feet and say, Lord, I did my best. <laughs> and it says, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. How embarrassing it be, Miss Pat, to have no crowns to lay at his feet that day. But thank God this judgment's not going to be before the whole world. This is a family thing. It's a family judgment. The world won't be there to look. Miss Boland's going to go in probably ahead of Mr. Reeves. But when Miss Pat may have some things she has to deal with at that throne, I won't be giggling about what she's going through. My name's coming. And we'll wait reverently, and whatever must be dealt with will be dealt with, but it'll be dealt with in private. It' just a family thing. There'll be facts to face in judgment, and there'll be fears. Things that you won't even admit. I remember when Miss Kim was talking about God dealing with her, and she knew she was lost. She was a good girl and a good church member. But she knew deep down inside something just was not right. There was a fear in her little old heart. And she said this openly in her testimony. She said, how could I admit to anybody else I was lost? I was afraid to even admit it to myself. But in the great white throne judgment of God, sinner, your greatest fears will come to light. You will face your fears the Word of God said in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. You want a fair trial? You want mercy. Luke twelve two, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. You want a fair trial? You want mercy. Ezekiel 8:12 said, Then said they, He unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery. In Ezekiel chapter 8, the Lord God Almighty let the prophet Ezekiel see in the imagination of the 70 ancients of the house of Israel. And in the great white throne judgment of God, God said your secrets will be made manifest. That means the secrets in your heart that you were even afraid to admit openly, God will let the whole world see your imagination. You want a fair trial? Or you want mercy? And at that judgment, men will face their folly. Folly means foolishness. Man will be judged according to his deeds, both good and evil, yet man will be judged according to the light and the truth that God has given him. You'd be a fool tonight to think that a pygmy in Africa will receive the same judgment you will. They ain't never said under anointed Holy Ghost preaching. They ain't never felt the tug of the Holy Ghost in a real worship service like you have. God will judge you based on the light you have received. You want fair trial or you want mercy? God assumes full 100% responsibility to get you the truth. God assumes 100% responsibility to give you the light. But you assume 100% responsibility for what you do with what God gives you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him Now stop. I believed in Jesus Christ intellectually from the time I was old enough to know who he was. I believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believed in the blood atonement. I believed in his sinless, vicarious death, his suffering. I believed in his virgin birth. Miss Phyllis, I would have died and fell straight into hell because that ain't talking about what you believe in your head. It's talking about what you believe in your heart. And you will not believe in your heart until you know you have a need to trust Him. Brother John is a certified lifeguard. He's a good swimmer and a strong man. And if I were to say, Johnny, if I ever get in trouble swimming, I'd like to have you around. Because I believe you could help me. Brother Wesley, I ain't never tested that theory because I ain't never been drowned in and Johnny was around and I needed his help. But one day if I found myself in the muddy, murky waters of the Yadkin going down for the third time and old Johnny was standing on the bank, I might be compelled to cry out and say, Johnny, I don't care how big and tough I am, but help me. <laughs> That's when you get saved, born of the Spirit of God, when you are going down for the last time and you got just enough breath to cry out and say, Jesus, help me. And until you know you're on your way down, you ain't going to cry. Why does God have to pound you in conviction? Why has God got to tear you up like a new ground? Why's God got to bother you in your sleep, take your appetite away, get you so messed up you don't know whether you're coming or going? Because God's got to get you to the place you're willing to cry out and you don't care who's looking. Hey. Son, I wouldn't care if this bleachers set sitting full of folks if I was drowning. I'd scream out, Johnny, help me. <laughs> but if God gets to dealing with you in Holy Ghost conviction, you know you're in trouble and you know you need help Miss Tanya, it don't care what offices you've held in the church, you'll cry out for help. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, This is why men go to hell. This, this is what what the Word of God said. This ain't my opinion, Brother Tim. This book in John chapter 3 says this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men make a conscious choice And a decision, Miss Donna, to stay in the dark rather than come to the light. And that's why men go to hell. And that is the folly that you'll meet in judgment. Because in the judgment, in the great white throne judgment of God, God will bring to the remembrance of every man, woman, boy or girl the day God flipped your light on and let you know you was in trouble and you needed to start squalling out for help. And you wouldn't because you loved your sin so much, you'd rather drown in your sin than you would cry out for help. I'll probably not stay here very long, but tonight I've given you the facts that you'll meet in judgment. I've given you the fears that you'll meet in judgment, and I've given you the follies that you'll meet in judgment. And I can't speak for you because I don't know where you are or where you've been. But when I go to judgment tonight, I'm going to meet a friend. If you're tired of hearing this, God, pity your wicked soul. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Word of God says, The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we're healed. And when Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God was dragged into Pilate's Judgment Hall and mocked and made fun of. He didn't go, Brother Brandon, for one thing he had ever done. They took him out of Pilate's Hall and Herod took him. And he stood before King Herod and they made fun of him. They took him and they beat him and they stripped him. They blindfolded him and tried to humiliate him, Brother Jesse. And they took a reed Put it in his hand as a scepter. And they wagged their heads and they mocked and they made fun. They did not understand that that was the only begotten Son of God who spoke this mud ball into existence with the power of His Word. But the Word of God says, a Lamb is dumb before sheared, so He opened not His mouth." And they took that reed and they smote him and they said, If thou be the Son of God, prophesy and tell us who smote thee. And he just sat there. And they so hated his guts, the Word of God said that they ripped his beard from his cheek. They tore the flesh of his face and they mocked and they made fun. The Word of God said his message was so marred more than the sons of men that you would not have even recognized that he was a man. For what good deed was he beaten? He was taken back to Pilate's Hall and stood with Barabbas. And they said, would you that we release one to you? The Jews said, give us Barabbas. For what good deed did they mock him? For what sweet words did he say that I ridicule him? They said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Give us Barabbas, but crucify him. They hated him, Miss Pat. For one mile from Pilate's Hall down the Via Dolorosa to the northwest corner of the city, He carried a cruel Roman cross. Finally, under the weight of that cross, they took a black man named Simon of Cyrene and compelled him to carry the cross and help him carry that cruel Roman cross. As Jesus marched through the city, and you see that stupid little Catholic picture hanging on the wall of a Jesus in a loincloth with a little blood. On his hands and his feet, a long-haired effeminate man, that ain't Jesus. They stripped him naked to humiliate him, Wayne Woody. He walked down that street naked and they humiliated him and laughed. When they nailed him to that cross, there was no guile found in him. Miss Brenda, he willingly stretched his arms out. He looked down on the Greenhorn Road. He knew there was a little old gal running the cafe down there was going to need him one day. He stretched his arms out and laid there
1: like a innocent little lamb and let him
0: kneel into that cross. Yes. He stood that cross up with a thud. Suspended between heaven and earth was the Son of God. The Word of God said they wagged their heads and they mocked Him. And said, if Thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And He stayed there, waited. The Word of God said, I'm a worm. Like a filthy, lowly worm, Jesus wiggled up and down. Felt the cruel rough timbers of that cross pierce his back where he's laid open raw. From that whip, the Word of God said from the sixth to the ninth hour, from 12 noon till 3 o'clock, there was darkness on the face of the earth. No human being was allowed to see what took place on the cross. Miss Marcy, God in His holiness, ordained one day that I'd preach the Word of God, brother. I don't have to ask permission. God called me to preach. But this day, God didn't depend on me. This day, Almighty God mounted the pulpit. And when He did, Jesus had said He was the light of the world. And the light went out. His God, in His holiness, said that for those three hours, Jesus' soul was baptized in hell. For what wrong? For what sin? Wasn't anything He ever did. It was for a redneck hillbilly boy on the Fair Plains Road that he knew 2,000 years down the road. The Word of God said in Isaiah 51 that he saw his seed. Miss Lori, he saw me leave the Roundup, get in that old GMC truck and drive to the Plains Road. He saw me 2,000 years ago sit down on that raggedy couch. He saw me and heard with his tender ear The ear of a shepherd listening for the bleeding of a sheep. He heard me cry, Father, forgive me. When I meet God in judgment, I got a friend. That already took my judgment for me so I don't have to. My friend will stand and say, see the nail prints in my head. Father, see the nail prints in my feet. Look at my side. His penalty has already been paid. Now let me ask you a sincere question tonight. You want a fair trial? Or you want mercy? If you want mercy, you better get to crying out and asking for it. God don't give but two things. He gives mercy, and He gives a fair trial. Which one you want? Saved or lost? I'm born of the Spirit of God, Miss Mindy, but I don't want a fair trial. I want mercy. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heads bowed and eyes closed. While we wait, Miss Lori's moving toward this platform. I don't have a fancy invitation. If you need help, you're saved, you got stuff in your heart you need to get rid of, you better move. If you're lost, you need mercy, you better move. We're gonna do page three hundred and twenty one. Oh, prepare to meet thy God. If you ain't prepared, you better get that way. You say, I don't know what to pray and I don't know what to say. Why don't you just ask for mercy? Why don't you just say, God, I want mercy. And don't sit there stubbed up and sold up on God. Just get in this altar and say, God, give me mercy.